0: Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs.
1: Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Baller's Podcast Feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solad. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 71, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game. Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
0: Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. I did not listen to a word you said. Is it 71 or is it 72? Either way, I'm fine.
1: 71. You got it? Load okay, it
0: happy Jason Peters podcast. Yeah. Um, I knew I was comfy in the early 70s. I'm fine. Oh, but dude, every day is a good day to be alive. Uh, transitioning fully to the offseason has been a little, little bumpy. I would like to actually, you know what, PSA. I, I I love interacting on Twitter and answering questions. I really enjoy it. I don't like a lot of Twitter. I wish I could get off it. But my favorite part is just, you know, somebody has a question about the Eagles. They have the freedom to at me and I get to respond and it's very helpful. But if you want me to respond, you can't come at me with like, you know, what are some good free agents for the team? All of them. 95. <laughs> like literally like every single one, but also potentially none of them. You know, right. like, like there's so little information like if you ask me like hey do you have an opinion on Travon coley hey do you have an opinion on ziggy ansa right then like i can give you that which needs should the eagles address in the first round of the draft any of six depending on who drops you know what i mean that 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 question is just too those questions are too wide for 280 characters and i feel bad because i I never answer them to people who like are good listeners to the show so like like come at me with more specific questions and i will gladly answer those but whenever i get like random unsolicited like hey like what's the eagles roster going to be next year it's like well well, there's a lot of moving parts here team um so transitioning to offseason man It's always a good time. I love the off season. Uh, We, you know, we, and I both enjoy uh, a good deal, but there's gotta be procedures in place for, for how to interact and specific questions is like prerogative number one.
1: So what Ben is asking is that you hit him up with 93 different specific requests (laughs) about different free agents and then go through each person.
0: No, that's fine. (laughs) And I'm bringing, I'm bringing back the draft bag, which is the weekly draft mailbag that's starting this week or probably next week. I can't. I'm very excited about it. And I want to answer all of your questions. Like, I'm telling you, like, I love it. And I think it's I think I do like a good job with it. I think we have a blast. I just need I need like you can't like what is going to happen with every free agent ever in 280 characters? I just can't. There are limits and that that's beyond them.
1: So Ben, today's show is going to be the all 22 film review, unfortunately, of the Eagles loss to the Saints in the divisional round. Of the playoff. Before we get to that, there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk with you about and get your opinion. Yeah. Because I recently spoke with Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com for a BGN radio special, and I'm sure this is going to be talked about in BGN Radio 32. That comes out tomorrow. But the Eagles, as expected, have dubbed Carson Wentz the quarterback of the future. Big shocker if you've been brainwashed by some of the talking heads. But this puts the Eagles in a situation with Foles where they can try to either retain his rights, then he can opt out, or they could tag him. It could all be one big dance, or it could be over in a flash. I'm wondering where you think Foles ends up. Is it in Jacksonville with Flip now that he's the offensive coordinator of the Jaguars?
0: No, I really don't. Uh, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. I didn't think Foles to Jacksonville made sense before Flip, and I don't think it makes too much sense after Flip. The The primary arguing point here is that when DeFlippa was the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia— the Nick Foles stepped in and he was able to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, and that was Nick Foles was very productive at that time. He was a little less productive, but still uh, an efficient winning quarterback this year without DiFilippo there. And so Di Filippo heading to Jacksonville means that you know you have a guy who's been proven to be successful with Nick Foles at the helm. Foles could end up in Jacksonville. There's a, there's a few problems there with that. Number one, Di is like fourth on the ladder in terms of who has a say in what quarterbacks get brought in. Mm. Right? If we're talking about like. Con, Coughlin, Marone, Filippo is four, right? So that's my that's 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 issue number one with it. If they're if they're bringing in Filippo with Foles in mind, this that's so early in the process for me. You know what I mean? Like that's just so uh, aggressive. That's so preemptive. Like there's no way that front office has done the work on the quarterback class coming out that they'd like to do. To the point where they're like, all right, there's no way we're drafting a dude at seven or eight, wherever the, somewhere, I think it's seven. Uh, there's no way we're drafting the dude. So we have to go look at the free agent market. Like that's really ambitious. Like if D was brought in solely because they're like planning on attacking foals, to me, that's very preemptive in terms of, of, of the offseason process. So that's number one. I think. DiFilippo isn't a high enough ranking member of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization yet to, like, come in, like, with the intention of, like, bringing in Foles. Like, it was, like, a package deal or something. So that's one. Two, from what I've been told, Tom Coughlin doesn't even think Nick Foles is that good. <laughs> and Coughlin saw Nick Foles more than a few times when uh, Coughlin was still with the Giants and Nick Foles was playing for the Eagles 2013-2014. Now, obviously, opinions on a guy can change, and opinions on Nick Foles has changed, have changed because... Yeah, he did the whole Super Bowl thing, like that obviously changes things, but from what I understand, at least back then, Coughlin wasn't the biggest Nick Foles fan. So that's number two. Number three. DeFilippo, successful with Nick Foles in 2017. Absolutely. But what Nick, what, what DeFilippo is known for, before that, and even during the Nick Foles time, is well-developing young quarterbacks. He, what he was known for in Oakland was being able to get success out of an offense that was led by Terrell Pryor. What he was known for in New York was being able to get success out of an offense that was yet, uh, led by young Mark Sanchez. What he was known for in Cleveland was getting success out of an offense that was led by Johnny Manziel. He can take young quarterbacks, Carson Wentz in 2017, second-year quarterback, and he can get good offense out of them. Right. It's not like he hasn't even been in a place long enough yet to the point where you can say like, oh, he like turns rookie that he like improves the odds that a rookie quarterback becomes good long term. Like I mentioned Terrell Pryor, Mark uh, Mark Sanchez, Johnny Manziel. Those three guys are not in the league anymore playing quarterback. Maybe Sanchez actually is for the the Redskins. But either way,
1: I don't know if you would necessarily call it that. But yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Those aren't guys who panned out. It's just that. Their most successful seasons came under DeFilippo. He has an innate ability, a good teaching technique, whatever it is, to get quick, effective offensive production out of young quarterbacks. That's what we've seen over his career. Which to me means Jacksonville's more likely positioning to themselves to draft a guy than to bring in Nick, uh, to bring in Nick Foles. DeFilippo's year coordinating an offense for a veteran quarterback, Kirk Cousins, didn't go so hot. And obviously Mike Zimmer had a big impact on that. And like, you know, they had Kevin Stefanski just like waiting there who they wanted to be offensive coordinator. Anyway. So like that situation never made any sense when Steve Lippo was fired. Right. But like, you know, oh, he was too pass heavy and then it was too much, you know, two route concepts and multi-break routes. And there wasn't enough, like, you know, like triangle reads and just half field reads and whatever. So like it didn't, Works super well when when D'Fulop had the veteran quarterback. What he's really good at is finding what what a, a young quarterback is strong at, maximizing it, and then hiding the weaknesses. Like that's that's what he's been successful at for his career as a quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. So to me, that indicates that they're that the Jaguars are going young. That the Jaguars are looking to draft quarterback. Like to me, this this screams Dwayne Haskins a lot louder than it screams Nick Foles. You wanted Nick Foles, right? Go get any West Coast coordinator ever, not the guy who's had. Two separate jobs as an offensive coordinator and was fired after both years of being the offensive coordinator. Right? Like he was offensive coordinator in Cleveland for a year and offensive coordinator in Minnesota for a year and was fired after both of those years. Now he put out a decent offense in Cleveland. And he was more so fired because the regime changed. And then Minnesota, obviously there's some mitigating circumstances, but still, like he wouldn't be my guy if I was going to bring in a veteran quarterback. Mm. I love DeFlippo. He wouldn't be. He his strength is working with those young quarterbacks right away. So to me, this does not make Foles any more likely to go down to Jacksonville. There's just not – like there's there's a clear connection there, but there's already too much evidence against it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting. And I was going to ask you if you thought – if you had to choose between Dwayne Haskins and Nick Foles in Jacksonville, which one was more likely? Obviously, you're leaning towards Haskins, which – Might cost them a pretty penny in the draft to be able to move up to make sure that they secure him there.
0: I don't even think so. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are currently picking at 7, I think they can get Haskins at 7. The only threat they have to getting Haskins at 7, there are two actually, Uh that I think are feasible. The New York Giants actually wanting to get a quarterback, which from everything I'm hearing from the Giants is not likely. Which, like, okay, whatever. Do your thing, New York. Number one. Number two... (laughs) Is a team like Miami or Oakland moving on from their incumbent yeah. and going to draft the guy? And, and, and Oakland is at four and Miami's at five. But Jacksonville at seven, like I, I think it's very plausible at this time. Like it's plausible as something can be at this time. I think it's plausible that Haskins at seven to Jacksonville, no trade up is totally clean. Like that's for sure
1: they would have to be really confident in that that those teams were not moving up and we're starting to hear things
0: you can have you can have a draft night trade like you can be like like you know like like you could absolutely see a team like Miami you know, giving enough of a vibe off, enough of like a thing just to try to like force the trade up. And like maybe Jacksonville gets into a staring contest, right? Just to like make the Jaguars (laughs) spend the money for it. Like that makes sense, obviously. You don't want them to get him, you know, for free. It's the seventh overall pick. (laughs) I like, I I don't think there's going to be a super big bidding war in the top five to go up and draft Haskins. I really don't. I don't think Haskins is that good. And I don't think teams need a quarterback that badly.
1: I, I see that point. And I see a whole lot of teams, and we see this every year, working out quarterbacks really heavily and then not drafting them because they want to push the price up, which will be interesting to see how the Jaguars respond to that type of counter pressure from these other teams. If they get a little uh, antsy and decide to make a big move up, we'll see what the Giants do. I mean, like you said, everything coming out of New York sounds like they're totally comfortable with Eli Manning, which is fascinating to me, but do your thing.
0: Are you are you ready? Are you ready for this piping hot January take?
1: Oh, boy hit me with it
0: to ring in the 2017 season on locked on eagles <laughs> we had jimmy kemsky Yeah. Uh, and and jimmy we talked to jimmy who do you think is going to win the division and Jimmy, I don't remember if he said he thinks it was the Giants or if the Giants were the biggest threat to win it.
1: He was pretty confident that it was. Yeah,
0: but he was on the Giants. I'm not saying this to trash Jimmy. You know, it was two years ago. Yeah, we love- um, And I was like, I think the Giants can be really crummy. And this was a year where a lot of media members were in on the Giants. And the Giants sucked in 2017. And then we came into 2018. They drafted Saquon Barkley number two overall. They brought in Nate Solder in free agency. They had <laughs> traded for Alec Ogletree, who some reason mattered in the grand scheme of things. The Giants are getting some hype again, and for the 2018 offseason, I said, "Man, I think the uh, I think the Giants are going to suck again." And Mike, I'm here to tell you, Giants sucked again. <laughs> it's early, 2019. I think the Giants can be all right. I think the Giants to be a, a better team and improved team in 2019. The offense was good yeah. for the back half of the season. It was. You can't fault them for thinking, for fooling themselves into thinking that they can continue to produce points with Eli Manning. I don't think it's the right way to manage a team in the long term. To not have a guy waiting behind your, at this point in his career, in uh, inconsistent 38-year-old quarterback. But I'm not in charge of the Giants. Yeah. Good news for the Eagles.
1: I like James Butcher, the defensive coordinator there. I think he did we a do. lot with a little... And right. if they add some pieces there, I think they can hide some things from that offense and make it to where that impact of having an inconsistent offense isn't so bad. But they have enough weapons to where they can put up points and they can be a dangerous team. So yeah, we'll, we'll see when 2019 rolls around. I want you to stick with that take. Yeah. Don't come off. We
0: of gotta it. see. you gotta see a little bit more. But I'm ready. You're in every year now. Moving forward, we're gonna have the inaugural August Ben decides the fate of the Giants episode and. <laughs> That's true. Inaugural doesn't make sense. Third year running, Ben decides to fade in the Giants episode, <laughs> and I think this year I'm finally going to change my tune. But either way, yeah, Nick Foles. Uh, we're talking about the Giants. Do you think the Giants make sense for Nick Foles? It's been a spot that people have talked about.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm not really buying it. A little bit of smoke there, where I where I could see that, but it's I don't. It's a weird fit, dude. It's a weird fit for Foles in New York, like scheme wise, right. personality wise. Like I I don't I don't know, man. I I I don't get it.
0: And this this goes back to um an ex-coach and that relationship and just like immediately kind of like drawing a quick line without looking deeper into it. Schirmer, Pat is yeah. obviously the head coach of the the Giants. He was the Eagles offensive coordinator from twenty thirteen then then through twenty fifteen and obviously interim head coach after that. And those thirteen to fourteen were Foles' two years where he was there in uh he was there in Philadelphia as well playing under Shermer. So he does have familiarity with Shermer nomenclature and Shermer you know, like uh, the the concepts and like the how the, the the play is established.
1: The money, Ben. Think of the money that you would have to the put money out is the quarterback one thing.
0: Position. Two, if you go and 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 you watch the offense, Shermer runs. Right. It doesn't look like the Chip Kelly offense. Correct. That Foles was successful in. So so Shermer was was Foles' <laughs> offensive coordinator when he was productive. He he had the title of the offensive coordinator. They were running Chip Kelly's offense. Right.
1: He was there to put in small pro style implements into his college offense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they've and, and Shermer's grafted things from Kelly the same way the entire league has grafted things from Kelly. Yeah. But this is not like Foles will not be returning to a system in which he had been successful. He'd just be returning to a guy he had seen met before. Yeah. Right. Which there's a lot of dudes you've met before when you play in the league. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so I, that link isn't as strong. And I don't think like like you you have to move on from Eli Manning.
1: Right. You have to.
0: For Nick Foles. Correct.
1: Because the money, the, the, nothing else makes sense.
0: You draft a rookie, right? You can uh, straddle the line a little bit through training camp and figure out what it is you need to do, right? Now, obviously, the Maras mismanaged that in 2017. And when you they trade had Eli
1: Steve. Manning to to Coughlin. We're all connecting the dots here, Everything. right? Listen,
0: <laughs> so you you know you draft a rookie,
1: you you can straddle the line. You can like,
0: oh, we don't know, you know, Carson Wentz, Sam Bradford, what's gonna happen? <laughs> like, you know, and you can you can figure it out as you go along, right? But if you bring in Nick Foles, like if you pay Nick Foles money. The expectation is he will be playing over Eli. And and now you've got to sell your fan base and your team. No Eli for this dude. Well, obviously, this dude, Super Bowl MVP, but he's also still this dude. He's still just Nick Foles. Like he is not a, you know, he's not like a surefire uh, quarterback on the free agent market because those don't exist because really good quarterbacks don't hit the free agent market. That's the other thing we're not talking about here. Right. Right? The best quarterback to hit the free agent market was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. In like five, ten years. He got three years, eighty four million, fully guaranteed, and his team did not make the playoffs this year. Like, <laughs> like there's a reason good quarterbacks don't make the free agent market. It's because you need one to win, and so if you get one, you don't let him hit the free agent market. Yeah. So the the fact alone that Foles is probably going to be on the free agent market should be signed enough. Uh, but either way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't see the Giants. I think he's going to get. Like uh like a Chase Daniel, Luke McCown, maybe Case Keenum at the top end sort of a deal. Like Keenum, I think was like two years forty million for the Broncos. That sort of a deal to go like play in Washington or like Miami for two years, right? right. People have said Oakland if they move on from Derek Carr. Again, that's a situation where you're moving on from a dude who is quote unquote the franchise. For like Nick Foles, like how are, is that compelling? Is that convincing? Maybe it is. Like like Nick Foles' teammates really love him. Maybe that'll that'll translate over. I don't know. Regardless, yeah, I think he ends up at a weird journeyman spot where it's never like, all right, this is Nick Foles' team. It's like, all right, this is Nick Foles' team. While we wait for it to be X other guy's team, you know. Right. So I don't know. It's 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 gonna be fascinating to follow. Jaguars would be like a neat fit. I just don't see it happening.
1: So let's take a quick whiff of the NFL draft before we get on to the main topic, which is quickly shrinking into the subtopic of this show.
0: Uh, Listen, I mean, I feel like, you know, sussing out foals is an important thing to do.
1: No, absolutely. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I'm perfectly fine with this discussion. So talking about the NFL draft, let's talk about this because Brandon Graham is now saying that he owes it to his family to test the free agency market. We all know the thing where after locker room cleanout on the on the last day there, he was hugging all the media members, quote unquote, just in case, which is just an awesome gesture.
0: Which we should have been there.
1: We should have. We should have gotten our I hugs. I wish somebody
0: had notified us. We would have head out to Philadelphia so we could have gotten Brandon Graham's hugs. I'm
1: all for BG hugs. That's my dream. But look, along with Graham probably leaving, testing the market, you also have Brandon Brooks, the Pro Bowl guard, needing surgery for his torn Achilles, the Eagles enter the season with some new holes because of that. Let's say for this exercise, Graham is gone. We know Brooks isn't going to be ready for the beginning of the season. He's likely not. What is it, like 265 days, 270-day turnaround for a torn Achilles? Before well, the timetable
0: new- that Brooks gave to the media was which six to eight months, wild. which is bananas.
1: Like, do they have a new surgery for the new surgery? Six to
0: eight months? for an Achilles recovery would be fast for, like, a 170-pound dude. Right. Like, we're talking about a 300-plus-pound guy. Like, that Achilles needs to carry a lot more weight. It needs to be stronger. The muscle itself, it's, like, bigger. Like, there's just more surface area that needs, like, repair. Like, it, that's just the reality of, like, of ligament and tendon inji- injuries for bigger dudes. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that that holds. So, yeah, I, I don't anticipate seeing him until October next year. But he's giving a timeline like, oh, maybe training camp, which would be nuts.
1: That would be wild. So Brandon Brooks, Brandon Graham, Jason Peters likely retires. Who knows about Chris Long? I mean, you look at the offensive line, the defensive line of what's happening here from a health and from a transitional perspective. Let's say for this exercise, all those guys are gone. If you had to power rank the top needs for the Eagles in that case, how would you rank them?
0: so right so like we don't know exactly who's gonna leave in free agency that's like the big issue and so the first thing you do is you scratch off the positions you definitely don't need in the draft to give yourself like a narrower view quarterback won't be addressed in the draft cornerback won't be addressed in the draft wide receiver is not a need in the draft golden tate and mike wallace both leave still not a need you're talking about Aguilar, alshon jeffrey mac hollins and then what you're gonna you, you draft the guy day three or you bring in a a uh a street free agent which for wide receivers there are a dime a dozen like you know Jordan Matthews stays there's your four bingo like you know this is not wide yeah. receivers on need tight end is not a need uh, and so those are the positions you're positive you're not going to need to address you cross those off right away if everybody leaves from what I've been told Chris Long is an almost definite retire. Jason Peters, they better hope he retires because if he doesn't, then they have to talk about cutting him.
1: I I think they do have to cut him in that situation. I completely agree. There were people talking about this last year because of the cap hit, not trusting him coming back from an injury. He was banged up all season long. Now he's a year older. He also had the torn bicep that he had to play through this year. I mean, there's all types of issues with him. He didn't play the last quarter of the game. I didn't even realize because I was so focused in. And I and I yeah. turned the tape on and I looked for a quarter and it's Halapuli Vati Vaitai and they're stinking up the joint once again. And I just get frustrated that that's could be our starting left tackle next year. I hope not. I think it That's will. That's why be. my top position is offensive tackle. It's left tackle.
0: Right. This, this is where things get tricky because I absolutely have offensive tackle very high. Do I think the Eagles do? Mm-mm.
1: That's what I hate. I don't. That's what I hate about this. I don't want Vita- Not even thinking about putting him in a starting. People are just like, my my lota. My lota Lada. is not going to be ready for that yet. Not 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 that type. They of goal, have yet. too many
0: bodies <sighs> at tackle to prioritize it. Like what? Like here is the issue. You have Jason Peters. Last year of his contract. 10.6 million dollar cap hit. Honestly isn't terrible if he comes back to like decent starting form from his injuries this year. It's not awful, but you are going to potentially save 8 million flat out if you cut him. Right. They're not going to cut him though. I really don't think they will
1: because we and because of the the relationship that they have we said this last exactly. year. That was a big reason that they wouldn't. A year later, I don't know, man. I don't know right. if they have a sit down talk with them and be like, "You were breaking down."
0: Right, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. If Jason Peters stays, Halapulivati Vaitai is obviously there. Jordan Mailata is there. Lane Johnson is there. If those four stay. Isaac Simolo also has swing tackle ability. They're not drafting a tackle high. They're not drafting a tackle high. Now, he's bad here's, as a
1: tackle. He's so bad. He's I don't
0: guard. dispute that, but they have like 4.5 bodies, so they think they're going to be able to hang, right? Uh. Now, also Matt Pryor can also kick outside. So you got five bodies, five, two halves, and four, to- four holes. Pryor, now, yeah. Right. Now now what you want to say is, oh, well, if Jason Peters retires, then we'll draft a replacement. <laughs> here's what's tricky about that.
1: Hmm.
0: Halepulibati Vaita is in the last year of his deal in 2019. Right, Last year was a rookie deal. So if Peters retires, then they can say, listen, if we draft a tackle right now and we start him over Big V and he's shaky, we're screwed because we don't know if we extend Big V and put him in over the, the rookie tackle and then we're trying to develop this guy, but there's a guy in front of him with a new contract or we leave the rookie in there, we let Big V walk and the rookie never develops. Now we don't have our swing tackle anymore. So if Jason Peters retires with one year left on Big V's deal... They are going to, in my opinion, play Big V for that one year. And if he be, if he's passable, if he's fine, then you extend him. And if he's not, then you draft the rookie.
1: And you let Big V walk. How can you possibly look at any tape that Big V put out there this year from preseason to the end of the season, the last game of the season, the quarter that he played, all of it was, he's regressed from year one, from a rookie. Everyone wants to talk about development. I will counter with development is not linear. Sometimes players don't take a step forward. If they aren't taking a step forward in this league, people figure out that player. They figure out how to beat them and they get beat. That's how it is. You being eight year, eight months older does not make a difference in that, and that's what we've seen happen with Vitae. People have figured him out. It's it's not like he's being beat by Miles Garrett every rep. It's every, I almost cursed, everyone <laughs> is beating him. I don't
0: think he's regressed. I think that's aggressive. Wow. I agree. You have it. Listen, okay. Well, it's been a hot
1: second since I watched 2016 Hallelujah Vitae tape. I watched 600 snaps of his in the summer, and I can tell you, this year were his worst snaps. Weird flex, but okay. And I resent, cause I did it for that piece where I was like, yo, this guy ain't it coming into right. the season.
0: I Listen, if he's regressed, then that just means Stoutland's gonna think he can get him back to where he was. Like, you don't know mean, what I mean? That's yeah. the problem. Like, uh, my issue with, my issue with that, I'm like, I don't really have an issue with it, cause you know, I agree with you on Big B, but arguing right. devil's advocate slash for the Eagles, you could have said a lot of what you just said about Isaac Samalo, who had a bad game against the Saints, but overall, played to, a, I would say, a low end starter degree this season. Low okay. to middle starter, starter for Isaac Samalo.
1: We have less on him, but we have even less at, at tackle where he's been awful. Well, Samalo's was Sam- not a tackler.
0: Samalo tackled like that, that doesn't matter. That was, that's right. just like them, like, you know, like their swing tackle emergency thing. What I'm saying is you could have made the same argument for Samalo last offseason you just made for Big V this offseason, which means that, hey, they're going to try to, like, develop him especially like you know the whole narrative like all right like now that Peters is gone he knows he's the man so his game's gonna step up I'm just saying when I look at it contract wise when I put on my little salary cap general manager hat the fact that Vitae's in the last year of his contract is huge it's massive because it means if you put Vitae in and he's poor you really only have to deal with it for one year you, you have one year you can go on the free agent market and, and, and grab a stopgap if you if he's that terrible and then you just draft the rookie in 2020 instead of 2019
1: People are going to think Carson Wentz is injury prone because of Big V. That's what's going to happen if they start. People him already
0: think Carson Wentz is injury prone. They don't need help with that. Uh, it's going to be even worse. <laughs> that So that's my situation with offensive tackle. I recently had a two-round mock draft, and I didn't give them a single offensive tackle. And people asked me why, and I said because I don't think they're going to address it in the first two picks, at least at this juncture. Now, they Shrine game, they've talked with multiple offensive tackles at Shrine so far. But Shrine is also like day three prospects. It's not early prospects. So they could be adding like, you know— These are bodies they might think of as UDFA types, not necessarily draft picks.
1: So, yeah, they may be looking at taking a swing in that case. Now, inside offensive line, I kind of get as far as not that being a massive priority, or at least that's the way you see it, because Brooks will eventually be back. Wisniewski is still on contract and Siamalo is obviously still on contract. So you can kind of make that work. The only bombshell that happens is if Jason Kelsey retires. I don't think he's going to. Maybe if they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. You start to think about it, but he's got too much left in him to retire right now. In my opinion, I don't know the guy personally, but that's the way I see things. So I could see them not yep. going into your offensive line early. So my top need is offensive tackle. After that, if Brandon Graham is gone. And Chris Long retires, mm-hmm. it has to be edge, right? It has to be a pass rusher, number two. Or is that your number yes. one? You know what I mean though.
0: Right. I think I think what you have to do, and there was a I I there was a very distinct point where Howie Roseman in his press conference made it clear that this is a historically good draft at defensive tackle and at defensive end. Mm-hmm. Right? When you have a player like Michael Bennett, you don't have to address edge or have to address defensive tackle. At 25, you just get whichever one is better while he's there, right? And then, okay, so you got a defensive tackle. Well, now Bennett's playing your strong side edge. Okay, you got a defensive end. Well, now Bennett's playing your three tech. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of screw around with it a little bit that way.
1: As long as you solve the problem of edge, wherever Michael Bennett is. Exactly. Then we're good, right?
0: So, yeah, my, my thing with this is, like, I think you saw Fletcher Cox put up career numbers. In a year in which he had less help next to him as compared to like previous seasons, with but like, even with freaking Bo Allen, who was more of a pass rush threat than uh uh how uh, was this year, we had Benny Logan next to him when he had Timmy Jernigan next to him for oh, you know a whole season last year, right? You this was Fletcher Cox's most productive season. He had so little help next to him. You're sitting there wondering, Chris Wilson, man, if I can get another really good penetrating three technique next to Fletcher Cox, and they can't always double Fletch. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, listen, Aaron Donald out here is setting single season sack records for defensive tackles in the year in which Indominus Sue is next to him. That's not an accident.
1: I mean, obviously, he's going to go higher than this, I believe, but like, if you put a guy like Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State next to Fletcher Cox, sure. whoo, 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 whoo.
0: I gave him Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. And <laughs> Wilkins is great because Wilkins is 310 pounds, and so he can play the one tech. Yes. If you're really worried about size of that position, which Philadelphia t- typically isn't, but like if you are.
1: Hey, center guard, deal with this 310-pounder. We're going to unleash Fletcher Cox on every guard in the league.
0: <laughs> which, yeah, if you get a guy who's big enough to anchor against a double team yep, in the running game, <laughs> so you can put him at the one technique, at the point of attack in the A-gap, and it. he still represents enough of a pass rush threat that he maintains the double team, you're leaving Fletcher Cox against right guards for 16 games, which is a problem. <laughs> so... I think my my number one need as I look at the team right now is defensive line. This uh, Schwartz wants to go too deep on the line, and the the defense is predicated on the rush. And so, to me, defensive line is where is where it's happening. I dig it. My second biggest need for the team, if it's me, it's offensive tackle. But putting that off to the side because we acknowledge it's a weird situation. I think your second biggest need is safety. And the reason I say that is this. Number one, you had one safety go down this year, and it destroyed your defense for 13 games. You were dealing with this. You did not have a capable safety three. You need one. Hmm. Especially in a big nickel, big dime. Like That's a thing. You want to address 12 personnel. You want to address teams with big slot receivers. You want to address teams with good patch-catching backs. Get three safeties out in the field. You need to have a guy who can play the deep middle. And you behind Rodney McLeod, like Malcolm Jenkins is so good. You're not even putting him in the deep middle. You're leaving him up. So you need a guy who can back up there. And Rodney McLeod is a potential cap casualty this year, coming off of injury. Right, ten million, roughly like nine point six million cap hit, four point six million dead cap. It's a little, or it's four point eight, I believe. It's a little bit much. You typically don't see a team cut a guy when he's fifty percent dead cap. But it's possible, especially if he's coming back poor from injury. Next season he's a much easier cut. Ten point six million dollar cap hit, like a two million dollar dead cap. Very likely a cut if you have a guy behind him to step into his shoes. So I, I view safety as a as a significant need for Philadelphia.
1: And that's something that we talked about last year. And there and I'll never complain about drafting Dallas Goddard. But two guys that we really liked for a lot of the reason that you just noted, Malcolm Jenkins getting old, Ronnie McLeod is eventually going to be a cap casualty. We need a safety three, especially since we like to run that big dime, big nickel package set. I mean, two guys I liked, and we already talked about Justin Reed before the Houston game. I also like Jesse Bates, who is balling out in Cincinnati right now. So that is a position that I really would love them to address because the depth, the age, the cost. All three are working against the Eagles as we start to move along into the future here. They need to inject some yep. cheap youth into the position at a higher value in which they've invested before. Like they tried Jeremy Reeves, UDFA. They tried Trey Sullivan. We saw how that worked out. People were crowing about Trey Sullivan playing well in the Bears game. I don't think he did. He was awful in this Saints game. Terrible and has not been good the season. Trey Sullivan
0: is, is, is currently like the definition like like if if you asked me to show tape on a safety who's quote uncomfortable in coverage, mm. I would show Trey Sullivan against the Saints because like at every snap he was like okay and what the fuck's going on? Like, he was just like, ah, <laughs> like it was like ah like it's just like ah there's stuff happening. Like it, it it's not even like bad. It's just there's a lot of like panic. There's right. a lot of like. Uncertainty. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of like I'm gonna be wrong, so I gotta jump at whatever I see immediately, right? Just yeah. like nah, that's very like
1: uncomfortable. Guys couldn't get connected all game. They were so unsure of everything they were seeing. I mean, we we saw it all game from a lot of players too. We should be talking about uh, it. If but. you
0: want to transition into like 10 minutes of all 22, no, we're sure. Not. No. But <laughs> no, but the best thing is like like you had the Saints just put Nigel Bradham and Corey Graham uh. and then Trey Sullivan. Into states of conflict the yep. entire game. It was just occupy outside corners, get Alvin Kamara on a linebacker, or get a slot wide receiver up, you know, get into Corey Graham's area, send two routes into Corey Graham's area, running dagger, running sail, running double post, and just force Corey Graham to choose. And when it was Trey Sullivan deep, force Trey Sullivan to choose. And those players couldn't choose, right? They couldn't split the difference, and they didn't know how to overlap coverages with their teammates, and you had guys regularly running out of position. We, we coming into the draft, yeah. He said, safety need is a problem, and they didn't draft the safety, and I said, the number one oversight here is no safety, and Corey Graham wasn't on the team yet, and it was like, oh, well, they'll just bring Corey Graham back, and I was like, that's not good enough, <laughs> and then we went through camp, and safety depth was a problem, Trey Sullivan wasn't playing well, and they brought Corey Graham back, and that's not good enough, and yeah. the, the safety depth killed them this year, it was it was something that, that you could see developing as a problem on the roster since the end of the Super Bowl run, and so, uh, you know, you... um. You really expect them to get that handled. The free agent safety market is generally good, though. Like we saw last year, like, you know, Trey Boston was just sitting on the yeah. market for hours. Yeah. And I don't know why Philadelphia didn't sign him. Trey Boston would have been a great third safety playing free safety. But mm-hmm. it's going to, again, have names on it. You know, no, none bigger than Teron Matthew, who's very likely to hit the market as well out of, out of Houston. So Philadelphia may elect to go that direction because they know that the safety market is, is generally strong in free agency. But I expect them to bring in a safety three. After what you saw this year, it has to be done.
1: There's two more positions that I want to talk about quickly before we get out of here. I'm just going to label this mm-hmm. as power ranking the, uh, the the draft here. The draft needs because we've totally right. gone past the point where we can address the All-22 This is No,
0: but this season. is typical. Like This is like if we took a pre-show conversation that's usually three minutes <laughs> and made it just like 45.
1: I just kept talking. And like, every night, yeah, we don't have to start yet the linebacker position with what's going on with jordan hicks we said before what we're comfortable with mm-hmm. we are comfortable with three years 12 million dollars to bring him back to play linebacker for us what's weird is since week 11 since he got banged up his sub package snaps on passing plays all went to nigel bradham we saw a huge shift in that even when hicks came back and i don't yep. know if that's because they thought hicks was limited still in some way by that injury regardless when hicks was on the field He's a much better linebacker. Now, Bradham had a good game against the Bears. Against the Saints, as we were talking about, he was right. very, very bad. Bradham covered the area in which he was standing and how far he could put his arms. That's the area that he covered. He never got connected to anybody in that zone coverage. He was constantly in contact. Bradham to is,
0: is so much so much better when you give him the opportunity to play in man than in zone. Exactly. Which he used to like like 2016, he was killing it in zone. I don't know what happened.
1: Yeah, I same, same. Total drop off in coverage for me.
0: I have, I have tweets that are hidden deep, deep, deep that are like, listen, Nigel Bradham's one of the best coverage linebackers in the league from like two years ago, and they just sit there, and I just pray nobody ever finds them.
1: He was like a top five QB rating, and you know yards per route run allowed, and like all that stuff last year. He was a top five linebacker right. last year, like I, because his linebacker.
0: strength, his strength is rally and tackle. But when right. you can get, you can he doesn't have good zone coverage awareness in terms of depth and what's developing behind him and how to react to a quarterback's eyes and such. And so you can throw windows behind him and you can manipulate him as a short zone defender. If something happens in front of him, he's the Eagles' best rally and tackle defender in their short zones, even with Cravon LeBlanc playing with his hair on fire. So it's like, you know, understanding strength and weaknesses. That's why, like, he's at his best when it's just man coverage. Just go run and get connected to a guy and hit him, like this little, you know, see red, get red situation.
1: So what about the linebacker position? If they don't bring Hicks back, you've got Bradham. Who you really can't move on from financially until next year. I believe he's a lot of dead cap this year. I think, I think it's $4 million in dead cap this year, $2 million in dead cap the year after. That's when you can kind of move on from him with it being financially. Yeah, I
0: I remember when he signed his extension, it was like a two year deal with like three more option years basically attached to it.
1: Right. So do you stick with Bradham, Camus, Grujay Hill, and Nate Jerry?
0: Yeah, I don't anticipate them moving on from Bradham if they lose Hicks. Like they'll just keep, I assume they just keep Bradham through the remainder of his, Contract as long as he's playing to that degree, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't anticipate them drafting or bringing in another starter at linebacker if Hicks leaves. I think that they're going to go Bradham, Camus, probably Nate Gary. They're going to want to be their three, which... Is scary. Uh, but they'll they'll walk into camp with him as their three. They'll probably, as they have done now, you know, Denell otherby Paul Warlow, who you know, early injury, everybody forgets about Paul Warlow, and uh Leroy Reynolds. Like the Eagles are very fine and have for a couple years now under Howie, just brought in veteran linebackers to be like, hey, are you good at special teams? Hang out over here, and we might need you. You know, like and so like that, that that's linebacker four, and that's not super strong. But it's fine. You know, you're typically only playing two linebackers. So having Nate Gary's linebacker three isn't a huge problem. And talking about a player like Camus, this would be his third year with the Eagles. He's taken step forwards in year one, and year two. Given his background and his strengths, you expect him to be able to be a good nickel-dime linebacker in terms of coverage and in terms of blitzing. Like, that's something that that he should play to his strengths. Mm. Like, his weaknesses are his run fits and his diagnosing and his play in the box. Like, in the trees, we call it. Like, when he's up against big offensive tackles. Yeah, And so, you don't hate him as a linebacker next to Bradham, who's a very good run defense linebacker, because Camus brings good pass defense skills. And, like, you want him to continue to develop against the runs. He's not a liability in that regard. But he does project nicely to, like, a linebacker who comes in in sub-package situations, you know, and it is available on third down. So I, I think they would stick with Bradham and Camus. That being said, I do anticipate them uh, retaining Jordan Hex. I think that happens.
1: Yeah, I agree. Last question before we get out of here. We have to have a discussion about the running back situation going on with them. Right. Assuming they don't sign a free agent. And even if they do, like, to be honest, it's going to be a committee most likely. Do you feel like running back is a high priority for them? Like, okay, I talked with Zach Rosenblatt about it. We don't think Le'Veon Bell is coming here. If the Jaguars no. want to move on from Leonard Fournette, I can't see him coming here. I can't see them spending significant money or significant draft capital either on a running back. I know a lot of people want a playmaker at the running back position. I don't know if the Eagles value it that highly. I mean, they win after Jay Ajayi. I get that. But they also don't want to spend a whole lot of money. People forget that Jay Ajayi was on a rookie contract. That was a cheap deal for us. It just cost us the draft capital. For a fourth round pick for a fourth round pick right that's low capital you got a, a fourth round rookie on a fourth fourth round rookie deal like that's super cheap so don't let that kind of fool you and the money we paid Lagaret Blunt wasn't exactly gigantic either so with the running back position where would you put it on their needs as far as like your power rankings is it even in like the point where you're like, oh, they could go there maybe early round two if they you know, or late round two or
0: I absolutely, I absolutely think they could potentially go there round two. Yes. Okay.
1: Here's like that's when it starts to make sense for me. Round one makes zero sense whatsoever. Would not do it, especially with this class. Right. But-
0: Here's the big thing. Number one, we're assuming Deuce Staley is still the running back's coach, which Deuce Staley has every aspiration to be more than a running back coach and right. like, you know, assistant head coach. You know, whatever that is. Uh, And so if he has a greener pasture somewhere, I think he's bolting.
1: And he's taking Wendell Smallwood with him.
0: Right. It's no. Sure. You can have Wendell, darling. (laughs) Take him. Um, You know, I'm very like, oh, no, please don't. don't." Okay. Uh, So we're assuming Staley's still the coach. Staley loves his running back by committee. That's something that we've seen him do consistently
1: i see where you're going with this i kind of like this is the running back by committee a staley preference because they leave a lot of that to him i don't even know if grow grow has said that he doesn't go to some of the running back like like meetings like he's not in that running game right. coordinating room
0: so when you're like here's my thing when you're in running back meetings this yeah. year or not even when you're in running back meetings this year, when you're just like in meetings this year when you're working on the team in the offseason and doug brings like deuce in and he's like hey so you ran your running backs by committee this year and deuce is like yeah doug's gonna be like how'd that go and (laughs) the answer's got to be like not great like you know like obviously that period of time where it was you know smallwood adams god knows you know like it was like sometimes it was Corey for a little bit and then you know obviously sproles comes back for a little bit like obviously you're dealing with scraps uh I i shouldn't call people scraps you're dealing with the bottom of your depth chart i understand that but Philadelphia never had a game this year where you were like, man, the running attack really took over until Week 15 against the Rams, mm. where you like, you know, and it was the first week that Sproles was back, and the Rams had no idea what was going to happen on tape, and Philadelphia just ran 12 personnel down their tiny linebackers' throats. Beautiful. You have to consider for Philadelphia under Doug Peterson under Deuce Staley, our year one we had a Jai. A Jai was obviously a fourth round pick, or it was a fifth round pick. We traded a fourth round pick for him, but a was always more talented than that. Was the talent level of a really one A featurey style back? Do we need that to make the committee work? Do we really like? Do we have to have a one A? And there's a lot of evidence to yes. And if that's the case, you're gonna have to get that guy on day two. Like if you want a 15 touch per game lion's share of the 22 carries you hand out, catches another three balls. You're going to have to get that in round two and round three, and you can in this class. Most of the good running backs in this class are ideally that. They're ideally 1A guys who aren't taking 25 touches a game, Ezekiel Elliott style. So I do think that you have a shot uh, to go round two round three. I think it's very legit. If you're Really married to this idea of like, oh, we have Sproles for one more year, and Adams developing nicely, and let's keep Wendell Smallwood just for fun, and Boston Scott, Danelle Pomfrey, and Corey Clement. I probably already said Corey. Like, if we just, like, yeah, we got like six, seven names up in this house right now. Let's add, like, you know, another day three guy to just make things harder for ourselves and pick the best four. Like, I could see them doing that. They've had two successes back to back years with UDFA, so like, it wouldn't shock me if they really bring in another one and they try to make him a thing, you know, that's worked for them. But it's realistic to me that there could be conversations this year in the offseason that say, like, all right, we need to make sure that we have a a 15-touch guy. Right. And that guy is going to cost you a round three pick. So you got to go get him.
1: So let's wrap this up. Let's list.
0: Right. Do you want my actual rankings now that we just, like, talked about them and I never answered the question?
1: That's correct. I'll, I'll give mine first, and then we'll, then we'll hit yours up. Offensive tackle number one. Edge number two. Interior defense alignment number three. Going back to our conversation, I mean, sure. give me some pass rush. Give me some depth. I'm good with either one. Call it 2A and 2B. Safety, number four. Interior offensive line, number five. That's my top five.
0: Yeah, I'm um, defensive line, one and two. So yeah. edge, interior, interior edge, whatever it is. Three for me is offensive tackle. Four is safety. Five is running back. I'm not going to have interior on the needs list until Kelsey retires. Like that, It's not a need for the team. Unless Kelsey leaves,
1: yeah, interior offensive lineman and running back, I could swap those no problem. I mean, you're talking about the fifth sure. lead. and I would definitely attack running back before I did interior offensive line as well. So maybe I should switch those. Did I just talk myself out of it? Did yeah. you talk me? That's, into how, it? That That's exactly yeah. how that works. That's exactly how that works. That's that. Yeah, Adam so, boy, Mike. We just saw the process live in in action. I'm switching one number five to running back. Let's get it, Ben. That's going to do it for today. That was not the All-22 show that we sold at the top of the show at all, but this was a nice little (laughs) surprise (laughs) to what we offer as far as what we can bring in terms of draft content. We really didn't even talk about prospects yet. I mean, I'm at Trine Week. We got Mobile. Next week, we'll be podcasting from there at the Senior Bull Mobile, Alabama. It's going to be a great time. Ton of great talent there. Ben, would you say goodbye to the gentle... Get off your phone, Ben. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Look them in the eyes. Say goodbye. I have a guest pod in 10 minutes. I know. That's I'm why I'm doing sure. I'm, trying, I'm trying to get you out of here, bud. I'm thinking about you.
0: Well, I want to get out of here because I don't like you. Sick burn. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Soul Act show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Yeah, this burns. is actually like a pretty good example of kind of what's going to look like for the offseason. We have a lot to talk about in the offseason. We have a lot of opinions on it, and we're very interested in roster building. And so you're going to get this sort of content up through April. Senior Bowl starts next week. Mike and I will both be there, and so that can really kick off your draft season, get to know some big names. Listen, we threw out Jeffrey Simmons. We threw out Christian Wilkins. We threw out names from last year, like Jesse Bates, Jordan Reed. These might be guys that you didn't know last year. You don't know this year. Don't worry. You're going to meet them all. As Mike also mentioned, he has the uh Zach Blatt podcast up from nj.com there will be more guests there will be other perspectives and go ahead hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode throughout the off season if you want to go ahead leave a rating a review and subscription we are reading those i'm assuming at some point this week because it's finally time to and we've got like a bajillion to go through and so we're definitely doing an episode where we're going to read through a lot of those but if you want to get yours in before then, there's still time. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Go back to the beginning of the episode if you want to know how to talk to me. Uh, he's on Twitter at Michael K. NFL. That's K-I-S-T. We're going to catch you guys later this week. Maybe we'll actually do the all-23 review for the Saints. Who knows?
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of fun and games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts.
1: And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of broadstreethockey.com.
0: I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for theathletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-Flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports.
1: We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers.
0: The hockey team of Flyers.